Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff Radio. And I have a soon-to-be famous producer, director, and actress. And her name is Gina Davis. And the reason I say that is, first of all, for the last three days, uh, somebody sent me Andrew Womack. Um, you know, he, he has this, this healing school. And he had Todd White speaking there uh, this weekend. So somebody sent me the video. And I have literally, you know, it, Todd White's part is like three hours long. And you know how sometimes you hear something from God and you're just, just bawling? Well, I've listened to it like six times now. I'm telling you, the presence of God has been so strong. And so I was praying about this show. And God said, I want you to speak over her because we need more women directors. And, and I know a lot of women directors, but their hearts are wrong. They're, they're not standing up for Jesus. You know, the truth is we need more women directors like, you know, Gina Davis. And so the name of her movie is Lost and Found, A New Beginning. And Gina, we're glad to have you on tonight. Thank you so much for, for having me. This is so exciting. I know I've got a lot of other things I want to say, but I know that when we originally talked, you told me that you had a dream and uh, you want to go through and, and tell us a little bit about that? Yes, definitely. Well, I'm going to back up from the dream a little bit. Um, this started, if I can say this without crying, <laughs> um, back in 2009, my oldest daughter, she came home, um, she was in the seventh grade, and said there was this new kid at school that worshipped Satan. And I was floored. Um, because this is not something you hear in a small town. This is something you see in these movies that everybody's going out to see, you know, it, flocking at theaters to see, which they shouldn't be. But anyways, um, it really weighed heavy on my heart. And I kept thinking about this kid, even though I never had met him or his family. Well, my daughter would come home every day telling me that he talks about his mother's struggling with drugs and she lets him do drugs with her and lets him skip school to go uh make a drug run and stuff, and his dad's been in prison, um, in and out of prison his whole life, um, and he has a little brother. And I thought to myself, this cat, this kid has no clue about eternity. He has no clue what he's doing. And I thought, he's doing this just for attention. So I started praying for him, and I told my daughter, I said, why don't you invite him to church? And uh, she's like, Mom, he would laugh in my face. And I'm like, you know what, there's a reason this is weighing heavy on my heart. There's a reason that you found out about him, and there's there's a reason that you told me about it. Um, I think God is behind this. So I said, just do it, um, and, and if, if he laughs, he laughs. If he doesn't, then we're going to move to the next step. So she went to school, and she was brave enough to, ask, to invite him to church, and he didn't laugh. All he said was, I have to ask my grandma, I guess because his grandmother was his only way of transportation at the time. Well, um, uh I was floored when she said that. I thought, this really proves how much he has no clue about what he's doing. He's needing friends, friendship. He needs love. 
he needs attention from somewhere, and he's getting it from saying he worships Satan. Well, he forgot about asking his grandmother the first Wednesday to come that Wednesday night. So the next Wednesday, I told her to remind him again. And so she reminded him again, and then we found out that he liked one of my daughter's friends. And I said, you know what? You've been trying to get her into church. Why don't you invite both of them, and we can get them. And if they think they're going to come see each other and they like each other, maybe that'll work. That'll get them into church. Then they're going to get their hearts touched by God. So anyways, this took three weeks of reminding him and her. And the third week, she calls me at work and says, Mom, they're going to come. They're going to walk home with me, and you're going to take us to church tonight. And I was like, you're kidding me. I was so excited. But the second I hung up the phone, it was like the enemy started whispering to me, um, you're, you're, you're stupid for doing this. What is wrong with you? You don't invite a satanic worshiper to your house. You've got a family protect to protect. And all these things started flashing in my mind. And, at the, you know, like I said, at the time, I didn't realize what was happening. I just got scared wondering what could this kid do at my house because he talked about doing candle rituals and all that at school and stuff. I was so scared driving home that I was in tears and I called a friend of mine and she prayed for me and I got home and I literally almost passed out walking down my hallway to go to the room that they were in playing games in because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't, I'd never seen a satanic worshiper. I didn't know what I was going to see or if he was going to do something, you know, or whatever. Cause I don't know, you know, you hear things that they do. The second I opened the door and made eye contact with this kid, all the fear vanished immediately. It's like God was there with me and all I saw was a blue-eyed, brown-haired kid with blue jeans and a T-shirt. And I thought, what was I expecting? You know, the enemy was really trying to scare me and to make me stop this and from happening. He came to church. That, they both came to church with us that night. And uh, when we got there, um, I saw he had the satanic star drawn on his jeans. And I thought, oh, my goodness. He went to the youth group. And, uh, of course, I was working with the children in Awana, so I couldn't go in the youth group with them. But, um I told the youth pastor about him and to make, you know, just to make sure he was aware of this kid's background and if God, if he would pray that God would speak through him to this kid. Well, I heard later that he spoke a really strong message. And after that, I found that he got invited to another church that he went to. Fast forward a few years, my daughter sent me a picture of him. Uh, No, let me back up. I'm sorry. After praying for, for him, in, in his family, I would notice in public that I would see people, and it's like my heart was drawn towards them, and I could, it was like God was telling me, these, these people are lost. Those people are lost. Those people need Jesus. You know, just stuff like that everywhere, and it's like I was more aware of it now. So I prayed about it, and I asked God, is there anything that I can do to help people in the world like this who need you? And that's when I had a dream. It was a Saturday night. It was about 3 a.m., I guess. I woke up. Um, I was asleep. I just sat up in my bed, and I, the words just came out of my mouth, I'm going to write a movie. And I laid back down and went to sleep. It's funny. Well, I got up the next morning, and I grabbed a huge one of those yellow notepad things, and I just started writing. And it's like the 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 movie wasn't all there, but it just started flowing out as I wrote. I would write every day after work. I work as a dental assistant, and I um, work Monday through Thursday, 8 to 5, and so I would write as soon as I got home, I would write until bedtime. I would write on my lunch hour. Um, I would write on the weekends. And about halfway through, um, at the time, I didn't realize the enemy was trying to stop this, but I did I see that now. But the enemy will try to use your family, your friends, your job, anybody to stop you from doing God's work. Because I was fully driven to get this written out. And uh, it was so exciting doing this, knowing that it was for God. 
But about halfway through, someone said to me, who do you think you are? And I was like, excuse me? And he said, you've got a good job. Why are you trying to do something else? You, um, you have a family. You've, you've got a nice home. You've, um, what else did he say? He said, oh, you tried to open a dance studio. That failed. You tried to work with that um, uh, electricity, the electric company. That failed. What makes you think this is going to work? You've never been to filmmaking school. What are you going to do, drop your family and go to California and make a movie? And I was like, no, I'm doing this for God. And as soon as I, as soon as I said that, it was like, I, it upset me. But when I went to write again, the, the words were gone. I, w- I went blank. I couldn't think of what to write before. The words were just flowing out, and all of a sudden, there was nothing. And I was like, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And so it really depressed me. And every day I would pick up the pen and try to write, and I'm like, I don't know what to write. I don't know what to write. It's like somebody had uh, a a blindfold on me and and plugs in my ears or something I'm not sure but anyways two weeks two weeks went by where I was just depressed acting like a zombie I was just moping around and I was coming on uh turning on the road uh coming home one day after work and I opened my window and I just yelled out I was like god you gave me this movie and now there's nothing there what's going on what am I supposed to do I need your help and I really just cried out to God. And when I got home, I promise you, within 30 minutes, five scenes from the movie happened in front of my face, whether it was on television or the kids coming in the house or somebody said something. Anyways, after that, everything came back. It was all there again. I just continued writing until I finished it and wrote the end. And uh, a lot of things happened after that. I, I wrote the movie, and then I had to write it in um, screenplay format. And uh, I had, uh, and during this time, uh, I was praying to God, and I was like, you know, God, it would be so awesome if I could do something like maybe Tyler Perry did, where he wrote, produced, directed, and acted in his movies. Um, and it would be nice if I could do that and not have to give this away to someone else who would probably take out half of God or change it up. And I would love to be in the middle of it or just help I'd do a part of it. After that, I was trying to, you know, I never thought this would happen, so I was trying to find a producer, of course. And I met, like, three or four producers, and something would fall through every single time. The first time, the first producer I met told me, it's too long. You've got to cut it in half. It's way too many pages. You need, you need to have at least um, 100 to, to 110 pages max. So I thought, okay, well, I can do that. So I went through, I rewrote it, got it down to 110 pages, actually. And he said, good job, that's great, it's a great story, but you got too many actors. You're going to have to take half of them out because you're working on a budget here. And I thought, oh, man. So I thought about who I could take out, and I thought, you know what? This was from my, my dream from God. I, I don't feel good about taking anybody out. And my husband's like, maybe you need to take them out because otherwise you're not going to get this done. And I thought, but I don't know who to take out because God's working through so many people to get to this family and if I take anybody out, it takes away from that puzzle. And so I, I told the producer, I said, I'm sorry, but I prayed about it, and I don't feel good about taking anybody out. Dropped it pretty much. He said, okay. And so I thought, oh, no, what am I going to do now? So I met another producer, and he said, you need to make a demo trailer. I'm going to L.A. I'm going to meet with some investors, and uh, maybe we can pitch this to the investors after I pitch my first three movies. So I thought, okay, that's four movies he's got to pitch, but mine's going to be the last one. I hope I have a chance. So we grabbed some people together, 
And there's a whole testimony in that, too, but it's a long story of how I got my camera guy, how I got the actors, the locations, everybody. Well, anyways, we got the demo trailer made, sent it to him, and I never heard a word from him. And so I don't know what happened with that. And then another producer, he said, that's a great story. I tell you what, if you come up with $80,000, we'll come up with $80,000 and we can make this happen. And I thought, well, I don't have $80,000. So there goes that one. Hey, while you're doing that, I want to say something. Okay, so Tyler Perry spoke at Joel Osteen's this weekend. One of the things he said, well, first of all, he said, don't give up. No matter what, don't give up. But he was asked the same question you were asked about his failures, they said God spoke to him and said, you don't have any failures. He said, everything that you thought was a failure in your life was something that I was doing in your life that he's now using. You know, he learned, it was, it may have been a mistake, but he learned from that mistake. And I thought that was really cool. And then something else he kind of answered for me because, you know, here I'm working on this comedy show and we've already done 20, you know, small little skit things and got them up there and, and, you know, for December. And I'm sitting there going, okay, why am I doing this again? And he said something about, you know, his character Medina. And he said, well, first of all, he said that, you know, like my mother and my aunt together. And if you ran into him in an alley and tried to mug him, and, you know, I guess they live in Houston or something, in a dark alley at night, well, believe me, uh, you would have wished you hadn't have done it. And, but he said he got to the point where he was going, why am I doing Medina? And then he received this letter, and this lady said she had taken her kids and went to a hotel, and she was going to kill herself. And so she wanted to do something fun with her kids that last day. And they said, well, we want to see Tyler Perry's play. So she got a bootleg copy. They brought it back to the hotel, and she started laughing. And by the time she was done, she didn't want to commit suicide anymore. And, I mean, just wow. look, at, look at what media can do. You know, nobody preaching at her. Nobody telling, you know, it was just, just the laughter. Okay, go ahead. Wow, that's, that's a great story there. You know, laughter is medicine for the soul. It's, it's pretty neat. Well, after meeting all these producers and they all fell through, I thought, what am I going to do? Well, two years, I think, went by after this that the screenplay just sat there. No, this was during the, the two-year process of this, meeting all these producers and something fell through. After that was two years later. Well, I was kind of, I, I, was, I was on my knees praying to God, like, what am I supposed to do? A kid just committed suicide from Bullard last week. Someone just died in a car accident, and it seems to me like they weren't saved. What if? What if they had seen this movie? You know, um, and so I was crying out to God, like, what am I supposed to do? You gave me this movie, and all these producers fell through. What am I supposed to be doing? Tell me something. And I got off my knees, and um, I went to the computer, and was um on YouTube looking up uh, Christian films and, you know, just, just things about making Christian movies and stuff. And I actually came across um, Alex Kendrick speaking um, about his testimony of when he made Flywheel. And after I listened, and, you know, I have looked for that, that testimony since I watched it that first time, and I cannot find it. And I don't, I don't think they would take it off of there, but I can't find it. But it was about 45-minute long speech where he, t- you know, was talking about, 
where he uh, wrote the movie Flywheel, but he needed the funding. He needed everything and, and how um, God led everything. And, and I thought, oh, my goodness, if he can do that, I can do that. Because he said all the actors were volunteer, and I thought, wow, if we can get actors to be volunteer, I can volunteer. If I, if I can get everyone one else to volunteer, we can do this. Well, I was at church. I'm going to back up a couple of years when I met the camera guy. Um, uh, it was a guy going to filmmaking school, and I didn't know it. They were having senior recognition at church. And I heard that Tyler Hooker was going to filmmaking school, and I thought, oh, my gosh, which one of you are Tyler Hooker? So I met up with him and his mom, and we've been working together ever since. But he's my camera guy. But, yeah, he said, Gina, I told you we could do this. And I'm like, no, you did. And he said, yes, I did. And I'm like, I don't remember you telling me this. But anyways, um, he said, well, what we can do is we can have auditions and see uh, if we can get all the actors lined up that will do this for, you know, volunteer. And I thought, okay, we can do this. So I got all the locations uh, uh, scouted out, and then we had auditions. Well, another producer told me, now be careful when you have auditions because people will come from everywhere to be in the movie, just to be in a movie. And I thought, oh, my goodness, if somebody comes and they want to be in a movie for God, I can't turn them away. So I prayed about it. I'm like, God, please don't let people come that don't want to do this for you. But please do send everybody that we need. Um, And I also told God, I said, whoever comes, I'm going to have to cast them in the movie. So please help me keep this under control. And so we had auditions, and I got everybody that I needed except for the five main characters. And those are another testimony in itself. I don't know how much time I have, but I've got... Uh, the testimonies of how I met them on my website, but I want to tell you the main one, which was Jordan, the main character in the movie. Everybody, who, I, I had a, a I guess, a, a visual of what Jordan was going to look like in the movie, um, kind of like the kid that I met that my daughter said was a satanic worshiper, similar to, to his appearance, but I didn't know who it was going to be. I knew it wasn't going to be that kid. Well, all the kids who, who, who um, auditioned to be Jordan None of them in my heart were Jordan. Auditions were over, and I'm like, God, we don't have a Jordan. What am I going to do? Well, the next Wednesday night I went to church. I was by myself, and I normally sat on this certain uh, row, uh, and when I got there, the whole row was filled up. Actually, the whole church was filled up. There was nowhere to sit. There was one spot as I started to walk out. uh, It was a small, short pew, and there was one kid sitting there. I promise you, the second I sat down, I heard God say, here is your Jordan. I looked to my right, and he was was from my vision. I I saw his in his face. I thought, oh, my goodness, this is Jordan. I didn't know who this kid was. I never met him before, but I knew what God just told me. And or laid on my heart. And uh, so I had an extra flyer for auditions, even though it had passed, and I gave it to him. And I thought, oh, this kid's going to think I'm crazy giving this because he doesn't even, I don't even know him. But anyways, I gave it to him, and, and uh, the lady that he was living with, uh, which was his friend's mother, um, called me the next day, and she said, my son and this boy want to both audition for the movie. And I thought, that's awesome. So they come, she said, but they've never acted before. And I said, you know what? We can work with them. We can work with anybody. And so they came to the church uh, that next Sunday after church and auditioned for us, and they floored it. They were, I mean, all, they were just natural at acting. Anyways, so you, you've seen the movie, and uh, Jordan is the guy, uh, Tanner is the guy who, I sw- it's just so neat how, how God brought everybody together 
um, that I needed. Like, you, you can't go and ask. Nobody auditioned for Sandra either, the mother struggling with drugs. And I thought, who is going to be my Sandra? I thought, well, maybe I can do it. I, don't, I can try. I don't know if I can, but I also have to, you know, direct and do all the other stuff. But I can try. Anyways, I was at church one day, and my friend approached me, and she said, why do you look so down? And I said, because I need a drug mother, and I can't go ask anybody, will you be my mother struggling with drugs in my movie? Because that, they may be offended. And she said, what do you want me to do? And so, actually, that's what she ended up doing, and she did a great job at it. And there's so many others that there's just a, a whole testimony in how I found the people uh, after God pl- placed them on my heart. Anyways, we, we got the movie produced in about three months, and, uh, of course, this is my first movie, and, we you know, you learn a lot from your first movie, and uh, everybody was volunteer. Um, I actually produced this movie with about $8,000 um, with, you know, um, I had to buy T-shirts, actually, to uh, give for donations to help cover all the cost of the, the camera equipment, the camera, the, the insurance, the location rentals, and the food and, and everything else, that we, the props and stuff that we needed. Yeah, we worked. We, we, if I got off work at 5 o'clock, we were on set by 5.30, and we worked till about 9.30 at night, and then we'd do it the next day. And then we would uh, film on Fridays and Saturdays all day, and then we would take off Sundays. But we got it done in about three and a half months, and then we had to do uh, the uh, reshoots. Probably it took about three weeks of doing re- uh, reshooting things that we needed to redo. And anyways, we got it done, and um, now I'm just trying to get distri- get into distribution. I don't know that part of the of the film industry. Um, I got it on Amazon and and 24 Flicks and Cross Flicks, and of course I have DVDs that I sell, and. Um, but in the meantime, I've written a second movie. Um, it's a, a family faith-based movie geared more for children and families, but it's a, a comedy with a faith-based message. So all the money that's coming in uh, for DVD sales for the movie, this movie, Lost and Sound, is going towards the funding of the next movie. Actually, um, I wanted to share something with you. There's so many. The reason we need more children or family movies is because there's so many kids now who don't even know who God is. We were having a Juana's one night, and there was a uh, um, my fr- there was two kids that kept popping in my head, which was my friend's son's two friends, which I, they don't they don't even go to church. They would play with her son when I was over there exercising with her. But she was at church, and I told her I said. Uh, they, these two boys keep popping up in my head. Will you please invite them to church? I feel like God's wanting me to invite them to church, but you're going to have to do it because I don't know them. So she said, well, I don't know if they'll be able to because their dad doesn't believe in God, So, I, I'll, but I can ask. And so she did, and the mother said, I'll let them go as long as you don't tell their dad. So she let them come a couple of times, and then uh, the dad made them quit going because of the fact that one of them told uh, the dad about Jesus. And the dad said, if you keep talking about this Jesus, you're not going back anymore. And, of course, the dad wouldn't let him go back to church. But they learned a little bit the first couple of times they came. And now on on uh, Facebook, I see that their mother does talk about God. So I know that these children reached their mother, uh, reached that they taught their mother about or opened her heart to God, I guess you would say. Um, and now she is a Christ follower. Going back to the boy that was a satanic worshiper, uh, my daughter showed me a picture of him, which he's in his early 20s now, and uh, she said that he got so bad into drugs uh, that his 
his liver was failing, and the doctor told him, you might as well, um, what do they call it, make your bucket list, um, because you're not going to live if you cannot get off these drugs. Come to find out, he got off the drugs, and he called on God and gave his life to Christ. <laughs> so wow, that's, that's, that's cool. a, such a blessing to hear that, that he's, and actually I looked him up on Facebook, and sure enough, he talks about God every day. And he wears T-shirts with crosses and talks that Bible verses and stuff. So that is so awesome to hear that that he's changed his life. So I hope he changed his mother's life and his dad's life too. Hey, you mentioned Flywheel. I want to go back and say something. So when Flywheel first came out, you know it was it was okay. It wasn't great or anything. But if you watch the Kendricks brothers, each movie they've done's got better and better. And I want people to remember that especially when they go to watch your movie, because this is your first. But the biggest thing is you, you did what God said, and you completed it. You know, most people, they just talk, and they never get anything completed. So first of all, congratulations for that. And then Chuck Bell, who is a, a director, you know, was a director in Hollywood and stuff. He's retired now. But he told me one day, because I was – uh, you know, thinking, well, I I had to get this expensive camera. I had to do all this. And he said, you know, Steven Spielberg, when he started, he was filming movies at home with his kids. He was just doing home film movies. And look at where he went. So if wow. that doesn't give you hope, you know, if that doesn't say, well, you know what, hey, you know, if God can do it with Steven Spielberg, God can do it with you. He can do it with me. Definitely. So, definitely. Yeah, and, and, you know, one of the things, too, is, is you will get people that will write stuff. You know, first of all, if they start with foul language, don't even don't, just erase it, don't even read it. But, you know, take the good criticism and, and you know, because like you said, you learn a lot of stuff. I mean, just shooting these little things, I've already learned a ton, you know, and, and seeing, like I said, I'm proud of you for finishing the movie. You know, we'll we'll put the stuff on there so if people want to get a copy of it or whatever, there'll be different ways. What else you got Definitely. to Definitely. I did want to share another story about uh, two little kids um, because because of the fact that there's so many kids in the world who – who we need more, more uh, children's movies out there um, because there's so many kids going to movies, and the movies nowadays are not – good as far as you know they're they're opening more worldly things up to these children at a young age i saw a movie i won't say the name of the movie i don't guess um but at the beginning of it's it's a very popular movie and it's been out a few years but at the very beginning of the movie and the very end of the movie they have satan as a good guy in a group meeting and he says you can call me satan yeah believe me i you know i interview a lot of ex-satanists and and uh a whole different thing going on, but uh, I definitely will send you that Todd White. You need you need to hear that. But uh, I, you know, I, I really like the direction you're going. And like I said, we need some women directors that uh, will stand up for Jesus and you know produce some really good stuff. And I hope yeah. somebody listening to the show will say, "Hey, I, you know, I can't do anything, but you know, support you and and help." pay for it because I know that's one of the biggest steps. It is. It's so, it's hard coming up with the funding for it. It's so expensive. <laughs> and then like everybody was volunteer on the first movie and my camera guy, I really need my camera guy, but I don't think he can help me with the second movie because it's 
so time consuming and he's having to finish school and get a job and so I don't think he'll be able to help me with the next movie unless unless he's paid, you know, so which is understandable. Um but I'm sure I'll get some you know, some people in the second movie that'll volunteer, but I know for sure, for a fact he won't and I know the editing actually that's where a lot of the a lot of my funding had to go towards as well. Anyways, yeah, God's gonna God's gonna make it happen. I, the name of the next movie is um, "I'll Never Leave You Never," which is versed, uh, which is based on the verse um, "I'll Never Leave You, I'll Never Forsake You," which is a you know a, a verse that people forget often, and it's it, it's something they need to be reminded of that God will never leave them um, ever, no matter what. And so, um, I, my prayer is that um, that y'all pray for me because you know there's days that I struggle try not to get upset about it because, you know, I see so many kids that need God. And if we were to have more children movies out that, that have a faith-based message, um, they would go see it because they're always, you know, parents are always looking for a movie to, to take their kids to see as entertainment. And they're taking their kids to, to all the kids' movies now, but a lot of these kids' movies aren't good for them to see. It's opening their mind in a whole new world that they don't, you know, that they don't need. And, and if anyone else is a, is a writer or, a, uh, you know, producer, look for children's movies with faith-based messages because we need so many of that. We need more of that so bad. The, hung, the world is hungry for it. The kids are hungry for it, and they don't even realize it. We need more faith-based family ch- uh, movies for children. And theaters is where we need them because that's where, you know, people, you know, if you, you can see for yourself when they have a kid's movie, the theaters is packed out. No matter what, as long as it's for a kids, you know, for kids, they're going to take their kids to see it, not even knowing what's in the movie or what kind of messages they're putting out in our kids' eyes and ears, you know, and in their hearts. Our kids need God desperately. Um, there was a there was a kid at uh, school. No, she was at Awana. She said she was at school, and that a girl asked her one day. This was in elementary. She asked her, why do you always wear that same necklace of that cross? You always wear that same one. And, the, and she told her, don't you know what this cross means? And the girl literally said no. She did not know what the cross meant. So she actually led her um, uh, of a story of Jesus in, in uh, uh, do they call it the Roman road, I guess. Um, she yeah. uh, explained to her who Jesus was and what he did for us and, and that he loved her and um, that he is her savior and that she should consider that as well. There was another kid who didn't know what 666 was. She had no clue. Kids don't know anything. The enemy, and the enemy is slowly putting out these little messages all over the world in cartoons and and, and, uh, kids' movies and commercials and everywhere, and clothing, just everywhere. And they're accepting it, thinking that it's cool. Uh, You know, definitely they don't realize that, you know, when you, a lot of the clothing and stuff, when you wear it, it's actually kind of putting a curse on you, you know, oh, um, so parents sad. don't under, they don't understand that. It, you know, it's, no, speaking, they don't realize it. it's speaking death over your kids. So, and there's also, there's also, you're right. You're so right. There's also this way that you look at it. Um, a lot of people, you try to talk to them about God, they're going to reject you. You know, they're not going to listen to you, but they're going to listen to their kids. When their kid comes up to them and it's their child and talks to them about Jesus and says what they learned about Jesus, they're more apt to opening uh, opening up their eyes and their hearts to the Lord through their kid. 
you know, versus some stranger coming up trying to push God on them or, or uh, you know, minister to them. They're going to pe- people listen to their kids more than they do anyone else. So, or I feel that way. You know, they're really going to think about it. it's really going to touch their hearts um, when they do when they do that. And so, yeah, another reason we have we need more children's faith-based movies out there. So, love your prayers. All right. Well, I'm going to pray with you as soon as we get off here. But uh, I think I'm going to kind of stop it there because, uh, you know, you gave a lot of information. And a lot of it was, you know, very good. And uh, definitely something parents need to think about. But I want to thank you for coming on, Gina. And, um, yeah, I look forward to seeing the next movie because, like I said, you know, we, it's all a learning process. And the only way you're going to get better is to get out there and do something. And if someone else is listening and God has told you to, you know, to do a film, a movie or become an actor or become a director or whatever, you know what, just start one foot in front of the other and do it. You know, yeah. it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, if you wait until it's perfect, you're never going to put it out. Yeah. I still, like I said about Steven Spielberg, to me, that that's incredible. Well, I thank you so much. I'm very grateful that that um, you invited me on the show. I'm so grateful. Um, I love to share my testimony when I can because I just feel that that um, it needs to be told, um, and I try to share it as much as I can. Um, it, it's a great testimony, and you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that have testimonies that need to tell their testimony, and I hope that maybe me telling mine that will urge them to get out and start telling their testimony, and that may lead to um, people getting saved. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, I'm going to say that's a wrap, and, uh, you know, till next time, thank you very much. Thank you so much, and God bless.